cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Spring & Co Property & Construction. Spring & Company have been delivering property and construction services for the last 25 years from their offices in Stockport, Leeds and London. Their strength lies in their ability to tackle challenging construction projects, acting in a variety of roles including client advisor, project manager, quantity surveyor, employees agent, principal designer and CDM advisor, fund monitor and construction delivery partner. They have experience of new build and refurbishment projects ranging in value from a few thousand pounds to multi-million pound projects. You can find more at www.springandco.co.uk. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. Mentioned in almost every episode since the beginning of the podcast, to say he's been in demand would be an understatement feared around the Cheshire County Cricket Leagues as the one man you never want to get out to, he has been inconspicuous in his absence for several years. A keen DIY enthusiast, especially anything you can take a drill to, and for God's sake, don't get him started on Jeremy Corbyn. It's the original big man himself, ladies and gentlemen, Carl David Burgess. Burge, how are you? Evening, Miles. How are we doing? Mate, I'm very well. I'm absolutely thrilled to finally have you on the podcast. The feeling's mutual, son. The feeling's mutual. That's uh, that's a blatant lie, but uh, I, I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> now, Burge, the first question, the first question I must ask you, where have you been? Um, fatherhood, mainly. Been uh, trying to be a, a half-decent parent, which I'm quite awful at, but yeah, Saturdays are... Saturdays of my day, my full day with Arthur, so at the minute they're, uh, yeah, kind of spent. Lockdown's been interesting, but yeah, paddling, paddling pools, parks, uh, zoos, playgrounds, wherever wherever he wants to go, I kind of just ferry him about, so. And uh, tell us, all seriousness now, how is how is the wean big man? Big, um, big, he's nearly three and he's in four to five-year-old clothes. He doesn't stop eating, which I haven't got a clue where he gets that from. I can only hope that he is going to be a decent cricketer, but he's showing more interest in football, which for me is absolutely heartbreaking at the minute. Oh, mate, my uh, my heart bleeds for you. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll all do what we can to steer him away from that awful excuse for a sport. Oh, absolutely, I'll keep trying. <laughs> now, tell us what you're doing when you uh, when you aren't playing cricket, mate. Uh, oh, working with a certain froggy Matheru, just a bit of this, a bit of that, buying and selling, making a making enough to pay the mortgage and keep myself in expensive cars. <laughs> And how is the uh, the Land Rover of dreams? Don't ask me. It's been a horrible day. It's been a costly, costly couple of days already. I've only had it a month and it's, uh, yeah, it's starting to rear its ugly head, that Land Rover badge, but, you know, keep going. <laughs> well, there we go. Look, Burge, we uh, we must talk about some cricket, mate. Yeah. What are your uh, What are your earliest cricketing memories? Um, I didn't really take cricket, to be fair, I'm not taking cricket seriously ever, I don't think, but... You know, <laughs> When I was a kid, I, I kind of dropped, I just kind of bit in and out of, I think I played a little bit. Paulington 
which is the village I'm from, as most people know, due to my ridiculous 1950s northerner accent. Um, I They had a junior section, they started one up. So started playing a little bit there. That kind of, I think, folded or I didn't really, I just lost interest. Played a little bit again, Langley Juniors, when I was, I think it was about 14, possibly. Um, I think Bollington was about 12. Didn't play at school. I think it's, I say it's because the PE teacher, the head of PE at the time, was obsessed with cross country. And if you didn't do cross country, you couldn't do anything else. The reality is I was absolutely garbage and I still am. So I think it would be fair to say you're not really a natural cross country runner. Would you agree? Let's be honest, mate. Natural athlete has never been under my uh, on my CV by a long way. Yeah. So then I think I can't remember it came about. I ended up playing junior cricket at Mac, like under I think it was under 16s or 17s. It was like Bogsy as captain. A lot of the lads were there now. Curly played. Um, Mitchie occasionally. Um, Dave Gay. Yeah. Jim. Jim. I think was like a spectator because Craigie was playing. Bogsy's brother Eddie. And then that fed into the infamous Mac threes of old which not many people know about which was a, a team of loose loose gentlemen louis smith whitwood browning ollie ward um again phil dignan john dignan Ma- names of yesteryear who were just kind of good cricketers oh, and obviously captained by the infamous rick nash who's now a, a, a rather responsible parent and has got his young lad coming through at a, a great lick of knots and then, yeah, it kind of played occasional twos with and Sodji. Um, I think he's had a few mentions on the on the podcast so far. Mr. Simon Jones. Yeah, with uh, obviously with Curly and Timo and uh, Chris Moore's a young Ian Tate. Andy Towell, which was an interesting experience. James, playing a changing room with him. <laughs> to look at him outside of work and then to see him on a Saturday, two very, very different people. It's, uh, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a character, that's for certain. I think it's fair to say after the um, the Darren Berry podcast, uh, obviously Towley got a lot of mentions in that. It's it's he's certainly on the list of people to to get on the podcast uh, for for varying degrees of reasons. Obviously, you know, lots of success as a captain and, and as a player, but I think he, he he also had an influence off the field. You might say, yeah. Um, if you're ever in a room with Towley and you're not sure, never ask him what the time is. That's a bit of an in joke, but the people who know it will know it very well. Or ask if you want if you ask you want to see Rocky, it's a straight no. That's all I can say about that. It is a, after all, it's PG, and I'm not getting into it. No, well, don't force yourself into the dock because you will have to tell it to the judge. Moving swiftly onwards, uh, you've mentioned a few clubs that you've played for there. You know, over the years, mostly in your junior cricket, you've played in a few clubs over the yeah. years do you, do you want to tell us about the, some of the other places you've uh, visited um, i think pot is probably the the main one and um, played a little bit of senior cricket at bollington in the twos years and years ago really really rubbish basically scorer who traveled and if anyone got injured i'd get on as a 12th man but and played again at mac and then kind of stopped playing for a fair few years just because of work and um, and then just out of the blue, one of the lads who I went on a cricket tour with was playing at Pot and he said, you know, you're interested in playing and started playing at Pot 2s and had a good laugh there and thought, hmm, and then got talking to the boys at Mac and ended up coming back for a for a few years. And I mean, to be honest, I never really left Mac as such. I'd always, my social life has always kind of revolved around a lot of lads from Mac Cricket Club. So I've always had a, my heart's always been there, if, even if I've not been playing there as such. And on your return to Macclesfield, obviously you, you said you, you spent a bit of time up at Pot Shrigley and up in the hills, the, the weird hills of Derbyshire. Who would you say was kind of most instrumental in, in your return to Macclesfield there? I know you've mentioned a few key names. 
I'd say probably Mitch, to be honest with you. Mitch, I think, I don't know if he's, anyone heard this story before. Basically, I was kind of an interim fill-in vice-captain for Potts Wrigley 2s, um, searching for players on a Friday night, as as is the way with the lowest team in any club on a Friday night, you, you're ringing round. I'd heard a rumour that, I think it was Curly told me, Mitch was in Weatherspoons and he'd had a few beers. And I thought, here's a good time to tap somebody up. So I've literally got in my car, driven to Weatherspoons in Mac, found him with, I think he was with Ben Morrison, shock. Um, oh God, that can only have gone one way. Yeah, I think he was Ben, I think he was ben and uh, uh, Telford Jameson and a few others. And basically, yeah, convinced him to play. He's, he's turned up at part and I've gone, lads, he's a morse. He's got it in his blood. It's genetic. He can't fail. He's opened the batting. And I don't know if he got a duck or he didn't get many. And I just sat there going, well, well, that went well. But yeah, we had a, we had a few good last me and Mitch at part, and then he went back to Mac, and then uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I came back, and yeah, it was, a, it was a good couple. Had a good couple of years, really. At this point, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about uh, some of your stats and 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 a few games from Macclesfield that I want to draw on. One in particular, I know you're very keen to discuss, as it's already been re- mentioned, especially on the the Nick Ross podcast. But before we get to that, let's let's review your stats. For uh, for what they are, I mean, you've got 2011 to 2017 look pretty comprehensive on here, and there's a few games from 2003 and 2004. But as per play cricket, you've played 87 games with 52 innings. A somewhat surprising, may I say it, 12 not outs. You've scored 166 runs with a higher score of 18, and you have 14 ducks, which I think from 87 innings is beautiful. Good. Beautiful. <laughs> I I think you you might be in pole position for the uh, the highest number of ducks. Yeah, I, in fact, I'm even making it sound better than it is because it's 14 ducks from 52 innings. Not- there you go. I don't, I don't know how it came about. I ended up actually, and this sounds ridiculous, I ended up opening the batting at Potts Wrigley. Oh. <laughs> that shows, that's kind of, that's kind of the level. And I, for some reason, I was in the nets and one of the lads went, well, you've got a decent forward defensive. I'm thinking, I, I don't think I've got that. I've got nothing else. And he went, we'll give you a try opening for a few weeks. And it basically was half a season of opening. <laughs> what is going on here? I, I do remember, and, and for those that have seen both Carl and I bat, this will this will amuse you no end. I do remember, and it must have been oh, 2014 or 2015, Burge, you and I, I remember very, uh, very clearly, you and I batted like five and six in a third team game. And I remember at the time thinking, this is possibly the worst batting lineup in the history of <laughs> cricket if Miles Horner and Carl David Burgess are batting five and six. Wasn't Chile away, was it? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, playing playing on that glorious cricketing cricketing wicket on the uh, on on the cabbage patch with no covers. Anyway, let's go on to your bowling stats because uh, I think it would be fair to say you're more of a bowler, uh, even though you've you've just told us of your prowess as an opening batsman. <laughs> Um, so you have bowled in total three hundred and thirty eight point three overs. 29 maidens, 69 wickets, with a best bowling of 6 for 66, an economy rate of quite respectable 4.98, given that everybody that plays you wants to whack you out the park and also doesn't want to get out to you, which is kind of counterintuitive, but there we go. Your strike rate is a reasonable 29.4, and you're averaging 24.4, which I think yeah, is, is pretty respectable there, Burge. I'd like to get the economy down in, in years to come, but you never know. Well, We'll see what we'll see what the time tells me. Well, I think 
your economy is is being dragged north a little bit by by the the few overs that you bowled in 2017 as your economy rate in 2017 was 12. I was going to say be up, that'll be up I, 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 my heart wasn't in it I was kind of semi-injured as a slight oh and I thought well I think I didn't bowl much and we kind of it got to the point of oh buy a wicket and I just got more and more pie <laughs> so yeah I, I, I got what I deserved really in the end. Uh, let's talk about your fielding because uh there's oh. this there's certainly one fielding story that we'll save to a little bit later but okay. um as per play cricket you've taken 13 catches and you have effected zero stumpings and zero run outs correct have you ever kept wicket on tour for pot Wrigley. <laughs> jesus um, wept oh it was painful now we used to give we used to give tom carter and uh Joe Giraffe Haig a bit of stick for for basically being blockers behind the stumps, but um, I mean, you as a wicketkeeper takes it to, to a whole new level of blocker. I took two catches. I'll have you know, I only kept about six overs and took two catches. I think a trap one on me in a thigh, but I'm still taking it as a catch. You still went down the book as a catch. Well, let's not talk about trapping things on bits of your body because, as I say, we'll get to that. Yeah. So there are there are a couple of games, Birch. I'd I'd love to talk about the f- the first is a very very serious one. This is your your best bowling performance of six for sixty six, and what an incredible game it was. So this is from the twenty sixth of April two thousand and fourteen, and it's Macclesfield third team versus Didsbury fifth team, who subsequently have gone on to be promoted from our division and are actually to be fair to them a pretty standout team of all the teams that i've played in the last sort of three or four years they are they are probably the best they have the you know the highest number of really good quality players and and they deserve to be playing yeah yeah they are they they are that being said on this particular day the uh the 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 honours went to Macclesfield, so Macclesfield won the toss and elected to field and uh <laughs> did we, I won the toss. I can't imagine that. You did, yeah. So you were captain that day. You won the toss. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk about being a useless tosser for uh, for the third team, but you won the toss and elected to field, which frankly was was a bit of a masterstroke by all accounts. As as Didsbury uh, began their innings with Stu Parks and Robbie Peel opening the bowling. Robbie Peel, he, uh, the, the talent, the, the talent that got away, as far as I'm concerned, for cricket for me, he was. Uh, remember the, I think it was the first. Um, sorry to like get off at the off tangent a bit. I remember turning up to Winter Nets, my season back as captain, and I, uh, I just saw him, and I was just like, he's opening the bowling all season. He just, he some of the wickets he took. I remember, I think it was Brooklyn's away. I think he, he was bowling with Jimmy Knight, and I think Jimmy Knight bowled one three inches outside off and took leg. And then Robbie Peel ball one, and it hit, it pitched leg and took the top of off. Oh. And I was just like, this is golden, this. this yeah, he was, a, he was a hell of a player. I was, uh, unfortunately, I think he was more obsessed with running up hills for some reason. Yes, I, I, yeah, I think that's a very good way of putting it. So, so yeah. Stu Parks and Robbie Peel opened the, uh, opened the bowling. Stu Parks got three for Robbie Peel, as, as much as we've just given him a, a, big, uh, a big talk up there, didn't get any wickets that day. However, cometh <laughs> the hour, cometh the very big man. The first thing I'm going to say is you bowled yourself first change, and and the main yeah. question I'd like to have is give us your thoughts around this. Uh, I looked at it before. I thought it's a bit of it's nice and dry. It might it might be conducive to a bit of turn here. So what I was doing bowling, nobody knows. But I think I think these are these are very big. I don't know if you're getting around to it. But there's a bit of a pre-story to this game. Um, the previous weekend, I think it was only the second or third game in the season. The previous weekend. Saturday night, having a few beers, um, was chatting to John Birchall, 
and he said, you're not going to take a Fifer all season. And I said, all right then, thinking, I'm captain. I'll bowl myself 15 overs all week, if, every week, if I have to, to get this win. And I said, well, how much are we betting? And I think the figure was um, either 50 or £100. It was £100 because yeah. Bertie mentions it on his podcast, which you yeah. probably opportunity to listen to yet no i've not i don't want i'm not a stone held for so yeah but so, i can confirm it's a hundred pounds a hundred pounds and then joey eichen and liam markey both piped up oh we'll have a bit of this 50 apiece um so basically i decided for some for some reason it's not me bragging when there's a bit of something on it or there's a crowd i tend to turn up a bit and i don't know why i tend to walk my game which i probably should do every week <laughs> um so i've yeah, just had a bowl and it's it's happened. And then I remember as I got the fourth wicket, Bertie was playing on the main ground, and I've shouted across to him, "Nearly there, Bertie, lad!" And as and he can he keeps hearing this cheer and he's like, "It can't be happening." And as the fifth one's gone down, I've just shouted across, "Get your wallet open!" <laughs> Which apparently sunk to his knees. I've heard so. Oh dear. Well. As much as I would love to believe every word of what you've just said, um, when it comes to your, your bowling choices, I must point out that Dave Bostock bowled second change. To, so to say you had no bowling in this team would, would clearly be an understatement. Uh, now, hold on. You've, you've argued me there. I've looked at this game today because I'm a bit of a saddo. Um, how, what were David's figures? What was his economy rate? David Bostock, four overs, no maidens, none for 19, with an economy of 4.75. Yeah, he'd, uh, yeah, I think he'd. But yeah, somewhat, somewhat pale in comparison to yourself, Carl. You, you, you're not wanting to, uh, you know, put yourself over here. I'll do it for you. Fifteen overs, no maidens, six <laughs> for sixty-six, with an economy rate of four point four. Um, and then, yeah, as as I say, in in reply, Macclesfield pleasingly got over the line. And the the mainstay of the batting was Josh Hearn, who scored 79, Elliot Faircloth 33, and uh, a cheeky little 11 not out from Dave Bostock towards the end there, along with Haminda Matharu, as you mentioned earlier. But the main story from this game, 6 for 66, a captain's spell. What, not, what have... never, never, never to be repeated or got near again, I think. <laughs> I think. I think that second game I lost interest, I thought, right, 100 quid for the club here, that'll do me. I can... Uh... I could just have a steady season now. Yeah, and I think you've you've mentioned something that's very worth pointing out. What what exactly happened to this money? It went to the club. I I, I was, I suppose you can't you, you, you know it's a it's a gentleman's bet, and I think the best place for it is a club. At the end of the day, it's a, I think the club. At, I'm not trying to downplay it, but they need every penny they can get at times. So you know, I think it's the right place to end it up. So. Yeah, and and whilst there is liable to be a lot of banter and, and a bit of Mickey taking going on in this podcast, Burge, I think the one thing in all seriousness nobody can ever take away from you is the fact that you are a dedicated clubman. And uh, I don't know if if anything else in this whole podcast will speak more true about you know the kind of bloke you are. You've just taken a load of money off your mates for for a feat you've achieved, and you've put it back into the club. So fair play to you. Well, let's, let's be honest; they've only put it back in there anyway over the bar, so it's not giving me any beer. That's all. Birch, I was trying to avoid saying that, but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. it's only going to end up there or Ronnie. So, 
all, all joking aside, um, the other game that I'd like to mention um, has already been mentioned a little bit in the podcast, as I alluded to earlier. Nick Ross brought this up in oh. his podcast. Um, and this, I believe, was the opening of the new changing rooms. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to just mention what Nick mentioned, and then I'm going to let you take it away. So Nick says that one of his favorite games was, uh, the, you know, opening of the new changing rooms. Was it a President's Day or, or something? Yeah, President's Day 2014, yeah. President's Day. So all, all, the, all the big names are out, some, some old players, some, some, you know, newer players, yourself. And you took to the field to open the batting. Um, and I believe from what Nick said, you may have given Ronnie a little bit of grief. Um, I, I, it wasn't so much Ronnie. It was more Steve Orrick's other end, to be honest with you. And that <laughs> seems scary. <laughs> Look, you talk us through this game because I don't have a scorecard. So it's all on you. And as far as I'm concerned, anything you say is 100% truth. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember a great deal of the game. Um, somebody the social secretary at the time, that was me, uh, decided to have a club night the day be- the night before. Um, so anyone that knows club nights, it kind of gets very loose. And I was a, a single lad at the time with no commitments and far too much cash. So to say I, I, every Saturday was party night, but yeah, club night. And then um, I've turned up on the Saturday morning, been told by um, Stower Danny Ackley to make sure I'm in shirt and tie. So I'm frantically aiming at like 10 in the morning with a raging hangover. Turned up to the club to find Dave Cowan sprawled out on a bench in his sunglasses, looking like he'd been washed up. Um, and I've just gone into the bar and I've just gone, are we open? And they've gone, yeah. And I went, just get me two Peronis. I went, just get that down your neck because this is the only way me and you are getting through today. I had about four or five bottles of beer before the game. Was then told by Rossi, oh, you're opening, mate. And I was like, what? What, what, are you, what are you up to? Like, yeah, you're out in the birchy. So I've gone out to bat. Pads, box and gloves. No helmet, no five pad, no nothing. Health and safety, not my forte. At one end, I've got, once upon a time, one of the most feared bowlers in Cheshire, Ronnie Illaby. And at the other end, I've got the third third and second league's like, most deadly lethal bowler, Steve Oryx. Now, bearing in mind, I'm normally number 11 for the threes until you turned up. I managed to promote myself to 10. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Carry on. I'm like, what am I going to do here? Birch is at the other end, and I've gone, well, I'm a little bit drunk. I'm going to be here for a good time. So I think I remember facing Ronnie. The first ball was a little bit medium pace, and I was like, all right. Second ball, a little bit quicker. And I turned around to Yoz, who was keeping, and went, Ronnie's lost a yard or two. Next thing you know, the third one, I didn't even see it go past the bat, and I've gone, there he is. And I'm like, uh-oh. So I've tried to play Ronnie. I've chipped him over mid-on or mid-off or something. Managed to get down the other end. And then Steve Oroch has come in, and something's gone. Just just, just bend down a bit and lap sweep him. And I've just swept him, let, like a kind of a chip sweep, over a short, fine leg, and just knocked it for four. And I think I got a 20-odd. And just, I think he ended up chipping one up. And I said to Birch, he went, I'm going for it. And I just chipped one up to me. And I walked down the wicket to, I think, Ronnie and chipped one up to me off. But uh, yeah, that, that, that did for me that day, I think. I was happy with that. And the, the other thing that, that Rossi says on the, about this game was that you had the best figures 
at the club in this game because absolutely nobody oh, wanted to get out to you? I think it was more the case that they'd never... Fe- a lot of them were ex-first team. I think the only person that... And I, and I praise Chris Morse for getting him out was um, Rossi's mate, Jake Hancock, who played for Toft, was playing for the All-Stars. Um, he took me apart and I was like, oh, and then Chris Moore's got him out. And I remember bowling to um, Jabba, Jason Knight, and he's just like, bowl it faster, kid. I went, no jabs, nah, this is as fast as it gets. And he couldn't, he just couldn't get it off the square. It was too slow for him. He'd never faced anything so slow. So yeah, I did the, I did all right, really, out of the day. I think this would probably be an appropriate point to um, to ask you to kind of describe your, your bowling style and, and the the variations and deliveries that you have. For those that haven't seen Carl Bowl, it's um, it's a thing to behold, and and that's all I'd say. There's a video on Facebook actually. A mate of mine came over from Australia. I'd have played with at Bollington, and he uh, I think we were playing Didsbury this away, and he texted where are you? So give him the address, and he's come down and he's uh, he's videoing it. He's actually got me getting a wicket, and it was yet again a and the variation, the moon ball. Um, I think the basis is if I can if I pitch it, that's a bonus. But the slower you bowl, the harder it is to hit. You know, unless you're like a good old muscly slogger, which there isn't a great deal of. And in the thirds, especially bowling at some of the kids, it's like, yeah, just I'll just float them up there. You can't hit it off the square, mate. You're all right. These, and I mean, I mean, I remember once Paul Fairclough turned down an LB decision by saying it, it was turning too much. It was doing too much. I was absolutely outraged. Never been. I've never been so insulted. Um, the one thing that I would want to make very clear is, as far as I'm concerned, you turn the ball more than Rob Porter. Would you agree? Obviously, mate. I'm I'm a same Litherin compared to Rob Porter, buddy. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, I am I am subcontinental compared to the Mocot mystery spinner. Recent podcast guest and club personality Pete Langley has decided to get off his backside for charity. His words, not mine. He has challenged himself to run 100 kilometres in a month, having previously only ever walked from scrum to scrum, and famously only comes into bowl off four yards, when he is allowed to bowl, I might add. He's undertaking this challenge in aid of Parkinson's UK, which is a charity very close to his and his family's heart. The charity supports families in improving the quality of life for sufferers of Parkinson's. Many people will also be aware that Nick Burtis's father battled Parkinson's and passed away two years ago. In the current climate, with cancellations to events such as the London Marathon, many charities have been hit hard, so any donations to this fantastic cause would be gratefully appreciated. You can find out more by searching Langer's 100k on justgiving.com. Right, Burge, moving on to the next section of the podcast, we've, we've got something a little bit different here. What I wanted to do was was kind of bring some of the personalities and players from around the club who have featured on the podcast and a couple who haven't yet. Uh, I wanted to bring them onto this podcast, but it, in a way that meant I wasn't going to have to spend 15 hours editing the podcast. So what I've done is I've, I've got a few people to, to send in some questions that, um, that they would like your responses to. So I'm going to play a few questions here from, from a number of people and, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get your responses to these. There we go. Hey, big man, Crossy here. Uh, hope you're doing well during lockdown. Um, sure you are. Takeaways are open, etc. I'm certainly uh, <laughs> using them wisely. Uh, my question is, do you ever see a return of Sunday Buffet Club? 
Thank you. Golden times. Golden times. Um, the Sunday Buffet Club. Hopefully one day we can resurrect it, although a couple of places we used to go to are shut down. <laughs> Especially if, uh, if you and Crossy had gone to them. Jesus, oh, wept. I, well, there is, a, there is a little story about this. I think um, when I was playing for Pot Trigley, me, um, I, I was going down to Spider, all the gear, again, too much money, no sense, no skill, but you know, I had to have the best bats going. I was going down to Spider on a Saturday just to have a mooch and probably spend far too much cash. So I sent a text that anybody want to come. And then... Um, Dorse, my second team skipper at Pop, decided to come. He, he, Dorse is a, a big lad, not quite in the, the, the realms of me and Crossy, but he's a biggest lad. Um, and then, obviously, Crossy, the man himself. So we went down to Stoke and I said, Pecky's lad, should we get some dinner? I said, Jamaican place. I said, don't worry about it, boys. There's a buffet place on the uh, on the roundabout on the A34, about 10 minutes away. So we went in there. Um, infamously got kicked out after two hours. <laughs> We, we we settled in for the afternoon session and uh, got told we can't have any more. <laughs> so this was clearly not an all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, clearly not. We should have. I think to be fair, I think we played a five or each, and we absolutely ransacked them. They didn't see that. They didn't see that one coming on. A, that's one o'clock on a Saturday. I can guarantee that. But if I was an owner of an all-you-can-eat buffet and I saw you and James Cross venturing towards my establishment, I would shut the doors, lock them. Turn all the lights off and call the police. All oh, right. To be fair, Crossy, Crossy usually would eat more than me. I can well believe that. Oh, the man's a, the man's a monster. The man is an absolute animal. Right. Well, thanks to James Cross for that uh, interjection. First team captain, club captain. Nice to hear him on the podcast again after his debut on the uh, very first episode. So moving on here, Burgie, being the famous raconteur that you are, please can you regale the listeners with a blow-by-blow account? of the time you spent your Sunday afternoon drilling Ray Ray through the covers. <laughs> oh, this! I thought this was going to come up later when it was um, best cricket you've played against. Pot Trigley, Sunday 11, friendly team. Um, not so friendly when I played. I did quite upset quite a few people while I was there, including a lot of my own team, because I was usually a bit hungover and a bit boisterous. Um, yeah, we, we played a, I think it was Stretford, or I think it was Stretford, and they were famous for having like, South African pros. And they had this lad over called Raymond Van Schlaw. I think he's actually passed away now. He's quite young. It's quite unfortunate. Uh, he <laughs> turned out he was the captain of Namibia. And I'm like, what's going on here? Anyway, luckily I didn't bowl MJ, the first team like best bowler did. He got dispatched over all parts of Pot Trigley, the Nab and Bollington. Honestly, some of the balls were showing up on NASA. It was outrageous. Anyway, I've, I've come out to bat and I've just gone, Nothing to lose again. Nothing to lose here. Had a little look, one ball, and then thought I was going to reverse sweep it. <laughs> so I've gone down. It's gone bat, glove, pad, rolled onto the stumps, left the bales on, <laughs> and instead of me going sorry bowler, I've just looked at him, tapped my fingers under my chin, and gone chin up, Ray Ray lad. Better luck next time. Yeah, Raymond Van Schlaw. And it, you can Google him. I can't, I can't make it up. Honestly, Namibian captain. Thanks to uh, thanks to, to Mr. Jim Melrose. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I didn't have to pay for the appearance of Jim Melrose on this podcast. So thanks. Under two minutes. Under two minutes once it. It's not his fee. Yeah, exactly. Thanks to the big man there. So next, uh, next question. Hi, Carl. Path it. As a fellow father of a two and a half year old, during lockdown, we're having to cook a lot more teas for them. I just wondered if you could recommend any chicken dippers. 
chicken dippers. Um, the best chicken dippers I've had, Newcastle. Quality chicken dippers in Newcastle, are they? Quality chicken dippers. If you buy enough chicken dippers, you get a free drill. A few hundred quid's worth of chicken dippers comes with a free comes with a free Dewalt. Everyone's a winner. And as I mentioned earlier in your introduction, you are a very keen fan of DIY. Oh, me, mate. Tell you, get that. Get the Screw Fits catalogue comes out. I am a happy boy. Very good. Can't wait. Can't wait to see the drill. Thanks to Mr. Tom Parfit there for uh, a, an interesting question about chicken dippers. Uh, moving swiftly onwards. Hi, Carl. Frankie Barker. Club captain of Maxfield Rugby. Just wondering if you could give us a bit of Chris de Berg for the fans. Do I have to? I, I think the answer is yes. I mean, you can't expect the club captain of Macclesfield Rugby Club. I mean, he calls himself Mr. Mac, but we all know that's me. But he can he can steal my title as much as he... It's like Billy Robinson when he walks into a hairdresser's and asks for a burger. So he can claim it's his haircut all he wants, but we know who's after. So, uh, right, here goes. <clears throat> and I hardly know... This beauty by my side. Is that enough? Perfect. Thank you, Burge. And uh, thank you to Mr. Frankie Barker for uh, an always guaranteed piece of self-promotion. <laughs> uh, moving swiftly onwards. Hello, Carl and Miles. I hope you're both well. Um, Dave Bostock here. First team, second team, third team, genuine all-rounder. Uh, quick question, Carl. Uh, I'm just wondering if you can elaborate on the story of the time you took that epic catch at Oxton um, and got the uh, their best batsman out. Oh, this 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 little beauty, absolute prime catch. Basically, we were struggling a bit with the bowling. Um, had Adam Longshaw, Johnny Longneck in his in the team. I thought, and he, to be honest, with you when he was a kid, when he was younger, he was a crafty bowler. You know, good left armer nipped it in and out and then out of nowhere he got the world's worst case of the yips he just it was either it was usually within his own half of the pitch but I thought nothing ventured nothing gained and I, I think I don't think Froggy played this game and I made a promise that I'd get this particular batsman out cheaply because he Froggy wanted to win the league averages I said well do my best for you mate that's all I can say anyway I've for some reason put myself at short square leg at any any fielding position where I'd have to run and out of the corner of my eye I've seen this ball as a half tracker. Now, most sensible people, or 99.999% of the population, would think, I'm just going to duck here and make myself small. For some reason, I thought, I'll just stand up. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I'm hollied on. I'm sure I'll be all right. It's managed to nestle itself. He's, he's absolutely middled this ball. Everyone's looking out to the deep square leg boundary, including me, to be honest with you. I didn't realise, and all of a sudden I've gone, oh, what's this? In my armpit. Oh, there it is. There's the ball. You're out, pal. <laughs> so just just to be really clear, you, you've been at short leg, no helmet, no box. I think I, I, think, I think I had a lid on. I think I might have had a lid on. Oh, see, this is where stories get warped. The story that I know is no helmet, no box, no, no shimp. To be honest with you, every possibility I wouldn't have had a lid on because I'm just stupid. So I've never seen you wear a lid, and I've seen you stand there more times than I wish. Um, <laughs> and, and you have got their best batsman out caught in the armpit. And as you say... As the story goes, as the legend goes, you turn round and look to the boundary. Oh, I don't have a clue. Turn round and pulled the ball out of your armpit and said, "Ooh, how is that one? You're out, pal. <laughs> You're out, big man. Oh, yeah, he was he was fuming. He's absolutely middle. He's the perfect half tracker from a medium from a medium pace lollipop. He's absolutely middled it. It's it's 
it's six on any good day. He's just, for some reason, I just thought I'll just stand up. And he's managed to nestle it straight in the old, uh, the old armpit. Well, there we go. Right, next, uh, next question, Bird. Hi, Carl. Curly here. Part-time cricketer, full-time sweeper. We'd love to hear the story about Andy Towel and the pie stop. Bye. <laughs> oh, this is, this is, I think, possibly around about my 19th birthday. Gone out on a Friday, as we used to, being young lads playing second eleven cricket. I have got absolutely blind out. Um, woken up to a harangue of abuse by my mother. Then gone, oh, I've got to go, can you give me a lift of cricket? She's gone, no, you can get yourself there. Got in the car and I've just gone, oh, this is not good. We were playing point, I think it was pointing away. I was wearing an England, just decided to put on what I had, which was like just a pair of shorts and an England one day top just to get to the ground. And I was like, oh, knew there's a little bakery in Pointing that was delicious. Fired in there in the old, uh, I think you had the Renault Clio at the time. Jumped, fired in there. Gone and got a couple of uh, a couple of fine pies. Started chomping on one, driving to the ground. The gravy's gone down the top. I've turned up, not had a shower, stinking of ale and vomit, and probably at the time cigarettes, with pie juice all down my top. And Andy Towles just looked, and this is Andy Towles there, man, has looked at me and gone, you are an utter disgrace. I think that's the biggest shame about in cricket when Andy Towles chastising you. You've got to think, think, oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear. Well, thanks to uh, Curly Moores for uh, making a debut on the podcast, in fact. We do do hope to have Curly on to to tell us exclusively about sweeping. Yeah, I hope he discusses his uh, his innings for the Max Odings against the Astros the other year. Oh, don't you don't you worry about that. That is uh, that is to come, Carl. So let's not uh, let's not spoil it. Rises. Right, moving on. Hi Carl, Mitch Moores here. Uh, Long time fan, first time caller. I was wondering whether you could talk us through your pre-match routine, uh, particularly as regards fitness and nutrition. Thank you. Um, fitness and nutrition, uh, for me, would involve walking out to the middle, having a look, realising it didn't really make a difference what we did. At the time, probably cruising on back to the changing room, having a can of Red Bull, Four of the biggest ibuprofen I could find in my bag, covering myself in Ronald Jack's ibuprofen gel or DP, whatever I had in my bag, my bag, bag of tricks, and probably starting to light up numerous menthol cigarettes, which are now banned, unfortunately. So that's that's my smoking days over, thank God. But yeah, just uh, yeah, Red Bull cigarettes and ibuprofen was my kind of pre-match routine. It got me through a couple of seasons. Burge, I cannot get the smell of you and railjacks out of my nose. Delicious. It's, it's good for you. You don't need it's warm up in a it's warm up in a tube. Why do you need to warm up when you can just lather your tendons and joints and muscles in it? You don't need to stretch. Just get covered in DP. It's fine. <laughs> oh, thanks to Mr. Mitch Moores for uh, that very good question about health and uh, nutrition and well-being. Something Burge, I think, knows a lot about. I think we can all agree. Uh, so we've come on to the last question here, Burge, so uh, let's let's find out who it is. Question for Carl. What was your thinking behind dropping me and picking yourself for the final of the T20 Cup just when I came into a bit of form? This is without question one of the big, well, I say big, yeah, one of the bigger regrets of me time at Mac. It, it went down a, a storm um, to be honest with you, the cup run we'd had, I'd actually bowled pretty well. I think I had some of the best 
figures in the team for the 2020, which comes as much as a surprise to me as it did anyone. So, yeah, I think I just decided that I think I'd missed the semi-final through work because it had been postponed. And, uh, yeah, just I think probably maybe a little bit of arrogance. I'm captain, right? I'll have a dig at the final. Bowled one over and got absolutely dispatched to the point that the batsman said, cheers for that, mate. Um, yeah, and never lived it down since. <laughs> went, to, went, went, to, went to Manchester that night and drove me sorrows. It was it, it turned out all right in the end. But, yeah, we... Yeah, it was it was disappointing to lose against Toft, and yeah, it was a bit. I, to be honest with you, it is in all seriousness, it's one of my biggest regrets. It's that it's the time that I think I said it to Barney once. I think as a captain, you can take no um, acclaim for success, but you take a hundred percent of the blame as a captain for any any loss. You will usually take a hundred percent of the blame, but you can never take any any you know personal gratification for the win. It's the it's the one it's the biggest downside of being captain, I think. Well, there we go. I think a contrite and uh, thorough explanation um, for your for your decision there. But it is fair to point out that not everything has ended poorly because you do spend a lot of time in Mister Haminda Froggy Matharu, um, who was uh, posed that question to you. So uh, you know you've obviously kissed him made up. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, I work I work with him, so yeah, it kind of you've got to. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he was overly upset. I think I was more upset than myself in the end. If it a, let's let's be honest, if it had bowled well, it'd have been a totally different story. But you know, it's these are the these are the things, aren't they? These are the things you make. They are indeed. And uh, thanks to all our uh, listeners um, and uh, previous podcast guests for uh, sending in their questions. And uh, thanks for Carl for for answering those on the spot. Needless to say, he's been put very much on the spot. Um, moving on, Carl. Uh, after taking a few questions there and a, you know, a few stories that have come up, are there um, are there any kind of stories that you, you want to put out there? I know you mentioned a, a particular game between uh, the Ashtray and Maxonians that you might want to discuss. Um, and and for those that listen to the the Tony Moore's podcast, um, listeners will know that Maxonians, obviously a, a, a former club um, and team that you know have a rich history and and now have kind of turned into just playing the one social game each year against another sort of pub team, the Ashtray. Um, and I'll let you take it away from here, Carl. Uh, yeah, once again, it, it, you'd be surprised to know it starts with a hungover um, Burge as such. I referred to myself in the third person there. Um, yeah, I got a, had a phone call from Steve. Well, I had about five phone calls by the time I woke up from Steve Littler, um, Cross's uncle and uh, Ash Tree member. And he, uh, he rang me up and said, uh, what are you up to today, mate? I was like, nothing much. A bit hungover, a little bit stiff, bold yesterday. So yeah, not feeling great. He said, "Oh, can you come and play for the Ashtrees when he got when he got ten? And um, we're playing Maxonians. I went, "Do we need to be there immediately, Steve? Because I'm not feeling great, and I could do getting myself together." He went, "No, no, no rush. Just come down when you can. We're we're batting." So I was like, "Okay." So basically, got there pretty much for the towards the end of the well, halfway through the the Ashtree innings, and they went, "Oh, where do you want to bat?" I knew a couple of lads, um, uh, Chris Eacoat, I knew from Bollington, and. Obviously, Steve and a couple of the boys from social occasions, and I mean, I mainly play for the Ash Tree for the tees, which are infamous. Um, so yeah, they said, "Oh, I'll just bat eleven. I'm not bothered if I don't want to bat really. I'm, I'm just here to help you boys out. I know you're a bit short." So yeah, and then at tea, someone said, "Right, you can open the bowling." I was like, "Why did you work that one out?" And Chris Heathcote went, "He bowls a mac this lad," and I'm like, "Chris, I bowl occasionally for the third eleven. Let's not make me out to be the new Ian Tate." Anyway. I've, just, I've opened the bowling. Out comes my one of my oldest friends, Mr. Andrew Malls. And I'm thinking, 
this is this is the best opportunity in a lifetime, this. And I've just said to him, dare you to sweep me. Dare you to try and sweep me. Um, first ball of the innings, pitched off, swept, missed, hit off. Thanks for coming. Diamond Duck, you're out. And I think what made it worse was I didn't celebrate. <laughs> yes, you did. Of course you did. I didn't, I didn't. Honestly, I thought, I thought, how can it be more? No, but I thought, I know him. How will he? How will he take this worse? I thought, if I don't celebrate, he will hate it even more. So as he's walking off, I've just walked up to him, put an arm around him, and went, "It's all right, mate. It happens to everybody." And just, just shoot him off a bit. Just showed him, just showed him the way back to the changing room. To have a little think about, just to have a little think about what he's done. And I, and I'm sure none of our listeners will have ever heard that story before because it's not exactly <laughs> as if you tell that to anybody that. Is prepared to listen, is it? Oh, mate, listen, listen. I, I haven't got many stories, so you have to get them out there. You got to be a bit shameless in your self-promotion nowadays. <laughs> well, if you want any lessons in self-promotion, I advise you to speak to Mr. Frankie Barker. Frankie Barker, yeah, yeah. Now, the other, the other sort of question I did have, and and perhaps you can bring up some stories if you like, is um, you are kind of infamous amongst the the chaps around the club um, as a bit of a stag specialist. Not anymore. Oh. A very keen stag do uh, participant, though it has to be said, you do sometimes struggle to, to make it the, the full duration. Um, are there any? Is there anything you want to tell us about? You know your your rich history with stag do's, Burge. Um, I think the finest performance I've ever put in for a stag do from Mac would be the first big one that I think we all went on was Tatey's to Worcester. Um, there's a few interesting stories from that that revolve around. Bostock, bumpers and a pink shirt and blonde hair. Um, but yeah, uh, Tatey's was a, a cracking do because um, we all were like, Worcester? What's in Worcester? Turns out one of the best stag dudes I've ever been on. Um, it involved, I think, it involved Craig Melrose having 13 poos in a day. Um, the, be- the, bo- the birth of the chicken tikka saying, because um, I think Jim had had some swordfish curry. Um, and turning up in gym had gone from two collars to three collars when we turned up. That's how rough he was feeling. It was the three-collar day. But yeah, um, and then DC and Witters turning up halfway through. Just some good stories. And after that, I kind of, yeah, I think um, best commitment was Curly's, Northern Ireland. Um, those of you who know me know, A, I'm petrified of flying, and B, I am not getting in a Ryanair seat. <laughs> um, that's, that's just not happening. Me and, me and economy don't go together. Um, so yeah, um, I took a, a t- an overnight ferry to get to Belfast. Little did I know the drinking halls in Bel in Northern Ireland are very different. So I basically got there at six in the morning. The boys I don't even think had set off on the plane by the time I got there. Gone to a coffee shop, had a few coffees to keep myself going. Got to a Weatherspoons at eight, thinking right, we're on here. I'm on my own, but I don't care. I'm starting. Gone up to the bar. I'll have a full breakfast and a pint. Oh, yeah, we don't serve beer till 11. Sorry, what? So, yeah, I was stranded in Belfast for five hours on a, on a stag do on my own without a drink, pretty much. These paths, that was that was a one, that was a paths and Mitch were the one night wonders when I went a little bit too, I went a little bit too keen on them. First night in. Part, part, Mitch is infamous for another reason, which we've already mentioned in, in a certain respect. It involved me driving up last minute and just going a bit feral with them. Um, and having a certain Mr. Parfany and Tate in, in tow at a certain period in the night, shall we say. 
I'm just going to throw them under the bus. I don't care. And then, yeah, paths. Somebody thought it'd be a good idea to go to the rugby on the second day, which, in all fairness, sounds like a great idea. I think Jim Melrose made it halfway, and he just looked at me, shook his head and turned around. I got halfway there and thought, I'm not having this anymore. Got in a taxi and just overtook the rest of the lads. Then I had to find my way to the sea. Then discovered we were in some, like, third tier. So it was like climbing Kilimanjaro. Got to the seat, missed probably the first 10 minutes. They're the smallest seats I've ever sat in, considering rugby's like a big man sport. It's obviously not a big spectator sport. So, however that all, the jocks are five foot three. Kept standing up, then got told to sit doom big man by some irate northerner behind me. Got to the halfway and just got half, got to half time and went, I've had enough of this. I am going home. I just went home to my room. <laughs> Made it out for the made it out for the meal at the night, and I was just like, "Nah, not having it. I'm going back to bed." And I think that's where discussions of you and Stagdoos should take a somewhat premature end. Moving on, Burge. Um, I think, given that you know you've you've taken a, a little bit, well, I wouldn't say tap, but you know you've you've been posed a few tricky questions from from a few chaps here. I thought what we'd do is we'd we'd play the word association game, and um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to associate some words to each of the the fine gentlemen that have that have posed you a question plus a few extra extra names in there that i'm sure you'll appreciate so you know as with everyone i'm going to give you a name and you can either give me a word or whatever comes into your head so james cross thanks jim melrose the shadow of his former self tom parfit posh frankie barker even posture david bostock velcro gloves Andrew Moores. Annoying rat face. <laughs> Mitch Moores. Brother from another mother. Haminda Matharu. Work colleague. I'm going to watch what I'm saying there. <laughs> right. Those those are the chaps that uh, that pose the questions. We're, we're going to give you a few extra extra bonus names here, Burge. So, Craig Melrose. Helmet. Khalid Sawaz. Freeloader. Nick Burtis. Nick! <laughs> Nick Ross. Legend. Paolo Funtash. No then. No then. Robert Porter. Clayed. <laughs> Very good, Burge. I have to say, of all the people that have played the uh, the word association, you've probably been the fastest. Now, it may appear to all the guests that everybody has acid wit, but I'm afraid to say often there are very long pauses um but in terms of burge there's been little editing there so so all credits all credit to the big man burge we're, we're coming towards the end of the podcast here we've got the quick fire questions but uh i'm going to give you an opportunity if there's if there's anyone you want to call out or anything else you've got to, to get off your your sizable chest before we get to the quick fire questions now's the time mate um to be honest with you nothing kind of acidic he's just about a i just want to thank all the boys at mac for probably just some of the, the best years of my life, I think. I'm very fortunate in life to have said I've had a very similar group of friends. Some lads from Bollington have known from primary school. A lot of the lads from Mac have been friends with for gotta be twenty years getting on for twenty years now. Um you know and I've always felt that if I need someone to fall back on the boys are always there and you know they've they're a good bunch. I think I think Max looked on as a bit of a club. People, I always said to Mac, there is no click at Mac. Mac itself is a click. People I know from outside of Mac have said, all you do is hang out together. And I'm like, well, that's good. That to me is a good club where you don't have like a few lads here and a few lads there. 
in the clubhouse after the game. Everybody mills around with everybody, or at least Team Airhead and a few others. But in the main, the lads who I've known the longest have always kind of gone, you know, even when I didn't even play at Mac, I was, I was welcome with open arms. And, you know, I've always said it's a, a club I'd always suggest to people to go to. You know, I think I remember speaking to Paolo when he's, Elliot was at part and he said, I'm thinking of going to Mac. And I, I couldn't sing its praises. I enough said it's the best place for him. I said, you know, they'll really bring him on as a cricketer. So, yeah, it's a, it's just been an honour and a pleasure to play what limited time I have at Mac. And hopefully can maybe play a few more games in the fours or threes, whatever, in the coming years if I get me myself on a bacon slicer. <laughs> Excellent, Burge. Um, so, like I said, moving on to the quickfire questions here, we're, we're going to give you a run. And if your your performance in this is anything like it was in the Word Association, you're going to do very well. So, nickname? Burge, Burgey, Burgers, Gerhard. <laughs> These others as well, but they're, they're probably the, the most popular form. Let's let's leave it there. Left or right-handed? Left. I don't know what left, but I don't know. I can't really take and tell the difference. But right-handed bowling for some reason. Bat or bowl? Drink. <laughs> Very good. Fielding position. Short square, silly mid on, silly mid off, slip it. Worst case, you know, anywhere that I don't really have to run, I can just stand there and get pelted. I can take the pain. I just don't like running. Test or T twenty. Test, it's a longer day. Best cricketer you've played with? Nick Ross in the President's Day. Fastest bowler you've faced? Uh, in nets, possibly Tatey or Birch. Not fast, but for me, fast enough. Or Craigie when he um, tried to rip my helmet off. Um, in a game, probably Ronnie that third ball when he knocked the dust off. I think there's a, there's a picture of him somewhere from the side on. And he said before the game, I'm not trained, I'm not bothered. And he's absolutely straining at all points on this one. I'm thinking, yeah, that'll do for me. <laughs> Messiest in the dressing room. From the threes, there was no opportunity, there was no room. Um, <laughs> probably me. Probably me because I had the biggest box. And we are talking about... Oh, the, the cricket case, let's be honest. Thank you very much. It's still the pram, but it's nothing right home, though. <laughs> Longest in the shower. An unheard of, an un, an unheard of name nowadays, Patrick John Giffney. Very fine leg to fine leg for the ones for a couple of seasons years ago. I don't think many, there's a few lads will know of him, but not many. But yeah, he is a. Uh... Well, all I would say to that is a uh, big shout out to PJ if he's listening. Yeah. First thing on your plate at teas? Pens. <sighs> Ham sandwich. Classic. That is not what I thought you were going to say, Burge. What, what I'm thinking you may have called pizza or cake. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I'm, I'm sorry to tarnish you with this brush, but. I was going to say cake. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but hold on. I'm thinking it logistically. You don't get to the cake till the end, mate. There's always cake on there. Ah, oh, see. This is where um, I've, I've been going wrong all these years. All I needed to do was ask you. Yeah, you just, you've literally, listen, as with Buffet, there is form. There is there is, there is, is a tactic to anything. Tea construction is a one of them. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you've, you've never had to contend with if we bat first, because then... That's my biggest bugbear, my biggest bugbear in cricket. And it's one I always kind of made a point of. I'm not a traditionalist in any way. However, if you are the home team, the away team always gets first dibs at tees. Rule number rule number one. There's one rule, that's it. 100% agree with you. But my, my point was more that if we bat first, it means that I have to bowl first after tees, which means I am not having a big plate of tea. Thus, my, you know, predicament. To be honest with you, mate, never, that never crossed my mind. 
Oh, right. Back on questions. Drink of choice. Um, I need a choice here. It depends on the mood. Peroni. Mm-hmm. The bigger the bottle, the better. Aperol spritz or the zombie. Oh, God. Why? Why did you have to bring up zombies? Now I'm just. Now, bear be... in mind, now I'm talking the Ronnie zombies in the pint pot. Oh, stop it. Many, many a man, I think, I've done Bert with one. I remember going out with Froggy once. And I said, what do you want to drink? And he went, I'll have what you're having. And I instantly thought, well, you're going to regret that decision, but we'll go with it anyway. Yeah, many many a man I've, I've floored with a, what do you want to drink? I'll have what you're having. You sure? Okay, then. Your, your funeral, pal. Moving swiftly onwards before you uh, bring back any awful memories for me. Yeah. Takeaway of choice. Chinese. Dance move of choice. The skank or the moon stomp. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. And do, do you know what, Burge? To be fair to you, for uh, for for a big lad, you're quite a mover, and you're certainly a decent singer. Well, yeah, the, my, my dance moves are the reason, part of the reason I've got a child. It's a long story, but yeah, um, me dancing, fever, slippery dance floor, Pete Hardwick. Next thing you know, oh yeah, I'm expecting best thing ever, best thing to ever happen to me. To be honest with you, cheers, Concrete Pete. You probably won't be listening, but cheers to him anyway. I think I should point out that you. And Concrete Pete did not conceive together. No, that would be... It's not, It's not, mate. It's not Arnie and Danny DeVito. It's not a film. <laughs> it's just a happening of circumstance that kind of a, a chain reaction happened from him dump tackling me on fever dance floor and me busting a knee. Well, there we go. Some things are better left not said. Um, moving swiftly onwards, Burge, three dream dinner guests. Who are they? I've been thinking of this. Now, the first one's a bit random. And then if anyone's heard Peter Ustinoff, the finest storyteller I've ever heard on chat shows, like looking back at old chat show clips. From a cricketing point of view, I'm going to say possibly both of them, if he brings the wine, and Christina Hendricks. Oh, interesting. I like it. I mean, I've never heard of one of them, but uh, I'm pretty pleased. Peter Ustinoff. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a bit old school. Oh, well, maybe I should give him a listen. I might learn something. Yeah, on YouTube, he's good. He's a good storyteller. He's interesting. <laughs> character <laughs> burge look i have to say it's been an absolute pleasure to finally have you on the podcast so there are uh, any closing any closing remarks anything you want to get out there um just all the best to the boys hopefully well i don't know if there'd be any cricket this year um basically like i said before it, it's been an honor and hopefully i'll play again one day all the all the boys over from australia and new zealand have played with that's uh tomo and Carl Patterson, uh, James Crossway, Rossi, Burt, all them boys, just, just legends to a man. You know, hope the likes of, you know, hopefully one day in the years to come, we're not far off the uh, the, the over 40, so the likes of me and Jim and Curly and a few others will be I'll be dusting him off for the over 40s in the midweek. That's that's a worrying thought. That's only four or five years off now. So, yeah, just uh, good, luck to, good luck to everyone. Hopefully everyone gets out of this safe and sound and, We'll all have a beer when it's all over. Burge, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone when I say much love to you, and we look forward to seeing you as soon as we can. Not a problem. Take care of yourself, mate.